the biggest change that I noticed was that I opened up and let my jaw actually work and my lips work and my tongue work, which I wasn't doing before because I just didn't want to speak. And that was the way that my subconscious was telling me, don't speak. When you speak, don't move anything. Don't move your jaw, don't move your lips, don't move your tongue. Just don't do anything. And um, that felt safe to me. That felt like I wasn't going to be hurt because the real me, that wasn't coming out. It was a deeper voice. I was barely enunciating or talking well. And if they had an issue with that, that's okay. It's not really me. It's this other person that I am. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin, and I'm so glad to have you with me today, as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being a subscriber. I love being on this voice journey with you, and you are in for a treat today. I have one of my favorite people on earth with me today. And just even looking at his bio, I'm so excited to have you hear from him. But very quickly, I want to let you know that I've got a very unique group program, different group program than what I've done before coming out. 10 weeks, very, very unique. And it's predominantly, it's very much around psychology of the voice. We're going to do all the pillars, confidence, connection, captivating, compelling, influence, persuasion, impact but we're really going to move out the sounds that are not working for you. So if you want information on that, it's coming up quick, very small group, go over to CaptivateTheRoom.com under the work with me tab, or you can email me at Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y at CaptivateTheRoom.com. But with me today is a former client of mine named Eden. And I really I wanted him to come on the show for a number of reasons, but primarily because I know so many of you are going to relate to his story. There are pieces of his story that I have heard in just about everybody. And just hearing his journey alone, I know is going to inspire you and encourage you and give you hope for the things that you're struggling with from a vocal perspective feeling invisible or wanting to be invisible and being introverted and having anxiety, even having to speak to people. And we're going to talk about all those things today. But let me just tell you a little bit about his background. He's a dentist. And today he's going to share his voice journey from feeling more comfortable in silence to doing an improv show during the time that we work together. He's taken voice lessons with two different vocal coaches in the past, but it wasn't until he worked with Tracy that his voice opened up dramatically, all with a deep dive into mindset and the subconscious. He hopes that by sharing his story, it will help you, the listener, get the courage to change your self-limiting beliefs and change your voice. I know you're going to love hearing from him, so let's head over to the show. Eden, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Hey, Tracy. Thanks for having me. This has been a long time coming. This I have been I've been asking Eden to come on the show for a long time. <laughs> he has, yeah. Pretty much every time I work with her, she asks. <laughs> so it has been a while. I finally wore him down. <laughs> he did, yeah. That's the that's the power of the voice. Yes. Well, you guys are in for a treat today. This this is gonna be a very valuable conversation about voice. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted Eden to come on the show is because his story, and, and I don't know if he even realizes, we had conversations about it, but his story is so relatable to so many people that I've worked with and so many people that I've had conversations with. So I knew you guys would really benefit from hearing a little bit about his story and and how we know each other and our time working together. 
How long do you think we've known each other now? Uh, I've actually looked it up. It's since um, May. So okay. now it's uh, March. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, almost a yeah. year. But I feel like I've known you forever. That's the way it feels like, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Well, let's just start at the beginning. Let's just give the listeners a little bit of background. Tell us okay. what you do mm-hmm. and and why you do it. Okay, so I am a dentist. Um, I do it because I just love being methodical, working with my hands. That's the biggest thing is that I like taking a tooth that's has that's in bad shape, has a bad cavity, and just fixing that up. Like, I don't know if I would be a good artist. I think I would have been a good artist if I was more creative. I can make a really good tooth, but I can't make a good drawing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what drew me to dentistry was that. It was, you know, it was a lot of just being analytical, methodical. And the thing once I got into dentistry was it's a lot of people skills too, which at the time when I started, I wasn't so great talking to people. And even up to when I started meeting up with Tracy, it was the same issue. It wasn't really that comfortable talking to people. And it really took a lot to get me out of my shell. So that's been my journey. It was how do I get out of my shell? How do I talk to people? How do I be less anxious at work? Because sometimes I would get so anxious at work. And we'll talk about this in a bit. But it would really just feel like I was almost having a heart attack. It would be that that much anxiety in me that feels like it's overbearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, and we're going to do a deep dive on the work that we did together because I know it will be so profound, so profoundly helpful to the listeners, but I want to back up to the dentistry for just a second because Mm -hmm. what a hard job I think. And I always thought it was hard. And then I worked with you and I thought, man, you know, it's, that is, that's like intense. It's just like with my doctors or certain, I mean, lawyer, everybody's job is intense, but it's so intense because of the pressure. And I, it made me think when you were talking about that, it made me think, what would, what do you wish the patient knew about being a dentist? Like we've had conversations about how everybody hates the dentist mm-hmm. and does, does that wear on you? That used to, um, yeah, that used to get me a lot, but now not so much. Now I just brush it off my shoulders. It's not really that big of a deal when they say that. I don't ruminate on that for hours. I used to do that, but now it's more so about their expectations. And for me, at least, it was about being on time. I really hated making people wait. And I thought, and we got into this the last time we talked, it was about like, me feeling like I was being disrespectful in a way because I was making them wait. Um, So that was my biggest thing was dealing with that anxiety of having a deadline almost. And every day you have a deadline because you're seeing so many patients and not having them wait, even though there's other things going on. And that really got to me. That was the biggest stressor in my life. So I think um, if I could say anything to a patient, it would be, um, you know, we're doing our best and it's really tough on us too. It's not like we enjoy seeing you in pain or seeing you be anxious or uh, seeing you be nervous. You know, it, it gets to us as well. It's we're human beings. We're not robots. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I wonder why, do you think people just assigned, why is that such a fear with people? What, what, cause that's so common, you know, do you think people just assigned meaning that it's a bad experience or is it like other things people had a bad experience? And so they equate, okay, I had this bad experience. Like for me, mm-hmm. when I was little, you know, I, I had, I don't know if I ever told you this, I had to go into the hospital and have all my teeth capped with silver caps when I was probably, I don't know, I think I was probably about three or four, maybe five. Mm-hmm. And so that gauged my entire concept of dentistry my whole life. Do you think, why do you, do you have any thoughts on why people get so flipped out? Yeah, there's definitely some people who have one bad experience and they equate that dentistry is going to be bad for them for the rest of their lives. Even if they have a really good experience that one time, 
they'll think, you know, well, that's just a one-time thing. I need to be prepared for the next time when the shoe drops, when something goes wrong, I need to be prepared. And I think that's a lot of the anxiety is that there's a lot of unknown with it. You know, you, you may get pain with it. You may have sensitivity after a filling. There's a lot of unknowns with dentistry. And I think that's, and, I, and it is it is tough because you're giving up control. That's what it is. You're laying back, you're opening up your mouth and you're giving up control. And, and, and you have no idea what's happening. You can't look up and see like, oh, okay, he's drilling on my tooth and he's almost done. You have no idea. That is such a good point. I never even thought about it that way, but it is. It's such a powerless position, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you feel bad when you see people like struggling with it because some people do great and they see a filling as just a filling. And some people see it as it's the end of the world. You know, that's yeah. just the worst thing that could ever happen to me was getting a cavity and I'll have a cavity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny to me because I, I tell people all the time that my mouth is worth about a quarter of a million dollars. I just, you know, I've just had everything. In my, I've had everything and, you know, had to be fixed. I just never had braces. And I've got a son that has never had a cavity. Wow. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. And then I'm so grateful for so many reasons, but mm-hmm. I make up for both of us. Well, all right. So you gave us a little bit of a thoughts on wanting to, you know, having that anxiety. I want to move. I'm Where I'm moving into is, is voice. Yes. But I want to set this up a little bit more for my listeners, because I think that there are so many pieces to your story that, that people can relate to. Maybe they can't relate to all the pieces, but mm-hmm. I definitely have pieces of all of it in my audience. Now you were, str- you, you were struggling to talk to people. We talked about that. Yeah. But remind me, are you an introvert? You know, I am. <laughs> You're right. You are. Okay. That's what I thought, but you've gotten so extroverted with me. I, I, I had to think about it for a minute. Okay. Now, then there's another piece, a couple of other pieces that I believe are valuable for the listener. Mm-hmm. English was not your first language. No. So I moved to the States when I was eight years old and I had a very minimal interaction with English. I took a couple of classes when I was six or seven and then the whole family moved over to the States and I was in ESL classes for a year and I should have been in it for longer, but I think the teacher felt bad for me because I didn't like being away from my class because you'd go away from your regular class and go to ESL and then go back. And I think she felt bad for me and she, maybe she felt sorry for me and she said, okay, you're done. And I really wasn't done because I mm. did not speak English properly. And she said, you're done. Um, and I was really happy that day. I remember I was super happy. Um, she had me do an exercise. I still remember. And it was a teacup whistling. And she asked me, uh, what is this? Like there were no words. And I didn't know the word whistle. So I made a whistling sound. And she's oh, like, wow. yeah, that's whistling. So I really wasn't ready to get out of that class, but she felt so sorry for me that she's like, you know what? He's trying so hard. He doesn't want to be here. Let me just send him back to uh, the real class. Mm. Yeah. And do you think that, how, how was it being English as a second language as a child like that? I mean, I, I think that would have to impact your voice story. I felt like I didn't want to speak. It's almost like I, I knew that I didn't want to read in class. So whenever we had to read a paragraph, I would get anxious about that. And I would do it, but I would feel really small and powerless. And I felt like I wasn't being understood. Um, as I learned English better, which I did, you know, you know, you give it enough time to learn it, but I didn't know how to speak it properly. So like elongation, knowing where to stop, what to emphasize. Mm-hmm. I was pretty monotone. Um, I'm a lot better now, but in the beginning it was, I knew how to say the word and that's what I said. I didn't know how to really emphasize. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it was being scared to really emphasize because I, I was just scared of, you know, I, I want to say it properly. I don't really want to get into all these emotions. So I never really put any emotion behind my voice. And do you think that, 
that was a fear of getting it wrong or a fear of getting made fun of? Do you, and it was just, it became safer and easier to just say nothing? In the beginning, it was fear of getting it wrong. Um, after I learned the English language, it was fear of getting made fun of. And there were a couple of times where I was made fun of. Um, but, you know, I was a bigger guy growing up, a bigger boy, so I wasn't really picked on, thankfully. So I wasn't really bullied. But I knew I had issues with talking, and I didn't like to talk. Yeah, so you just didn't. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but gosh, you're f- flawless English, and f- don't even have a dialect. Oh, thank you. So good. (laughs) And that was all before me. I had nothing to do with that. I'm not bragging about my own work. I'll brag about my own work in a minute. (laughs) Okay. So when you found me. Yes. You, you already said you had this anxiety about talking to people. That was a big driver to find somebody to work with. But what else? What else was it that when you came to me, and I know we've done a lot of different work together. We've really gone down the tracks, but. What was it that you, what was it that you wanted to fix? What was it that you had hoped would happen if you worked with a voice coach? So I wanted to change. I was very monotone and also I, um, I was nasally. Mm. Like I talked with a nasally sound and I wasn't trying to speak like all the way up there. Like I, I can go up there if I need to, but um, it just happened. And I know the reason why it happened is because as I became a dentist, um, one thing you get a lot because you're so young is, gee, you're so young for being a dentist. And I would keep hearing that over and over again. And I looked young. And you know what? Um, I can't change that. I mean, I graduated school in the right amount of time. I didn't, you know, I'm not a super genius, but I am young. And I would hear that so often. And I needed to have a way to sound more mature. So one thing that I did, I was listening to another podcast and they had another speaker, another voice coach on. And he said, if you want to sound deeper, drop your Adam's apple when you speak and you'll sound deeper because by dropping the Adam's apple, your voice goes down. And that's what I did. But by doing that, I also became more nasally because it's almost like I was holding my voice back or my air back. And also I was, my voice became more fried, more crackly. So it had like this little crackle or fried tone to it. Um, but that wasn't my concern. It was really being monotone and nasally. And I didn't put two and two together that me trying to go lower was the issue was what was happening, what was causing all this issue. I don't know. I don't remember that part about the listening to the, uh, the, I'm sure you told me that, but I didn't remember that. And I, I want to just stop here for a minute. Yeah. I just, I just adore this guy. Okay. So first of all, if I haven't said that yet, I'll say it 40 times. I just adore this guy and I loved working with him. And, and, and I literally did. I literally started getting in on getting him on the show months ago. And, and this is part of the very reason why, because of what he was just talking about. The number of people that have crossed my path, working with me or otherwise, that created a different voice would blow your mind. And I, I remember when we met, you had sent me a video and I watched the video. You had sent me an email and and. I was going to listen to your voice and tell you what I thought. And I, I remember one of the first things I said was, I don't, I don't think this is your real voice. Mm-hmm. And that is so many people. But the other thing that, that is so easy to connect with here, I believe, for my listeners is, and I just did this yesterday with somebody, younger people get locked into this, I've got to sound professional. And so your story is so relatable. Yeah, in dentistry, but I see it in every profession I work with. Younger people feeling like they've got to be professional, you know, because I've got to be professional. And then they start talking like this and, and we can't connect to that. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to sound more professional, but it wasn't my real voice. And it was really, it took a toll on me. It was, I felt insecure in my voice. You could hear it in my voice. I just listened to that that video that I sent you because I want to see what my progress was. And 
I felt so insecure speaking. I could hear that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You went back and looked at the first video. I did. Yeah. Can you, can you, it, does it, did it blow you away? How much progress you've made? It did. Yeah. I had so many qualities to my voice that I, you know what? I didn't realize that I had so many things going on. I really just thought I was monotone and nasally, but there were yeah. so many other issues happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a while back. I went back and listened to it because I always go back and through the process of working with somebody, I always go back and listen. And I was, I just was so happy. I was so, I was so pleased and, and really one of the, and we'll talk in a minute about the, the byproducts of, of the work that you did and you worked hard. I mean, this got put in the yards. So, well, let's talk about that. So, you know, where you started and in retrospect, you could go back and go, wow, I heard all of these things, Mm -hmm. which in the moment, See, that's the power of the work to me is in the moment. People don't, they think they're monotone. They think they have a problem. They think maybe have this or that, but they don't realize the magnitude of what is going on. So when you got into the work, what was the most surprising? What was, what surprised you the most about the working on your voice? And listen, this guy did the work. I'm telling you. The biggest surprise was that I really wasn't moving my mouth when I was speaking. I was so closed off that I was almost like a ventriloquist. Like I could talk with my teeth almost closed fully and you could hear me, maybe not fully understand me because it would be tough to really talk clearly like that. But I was doing that and I didn't realize this was happening um, because really no one was really calling me out on that. It was, yeah, I was repeating myself sometimes, but it wasn't all the time. And that was the biggest change that I noticed was that I opened up and let my jaw actually work and my lips work and my tongue work, which I wasn't doing before because I just didn't want to speak. And that was the way that my subconscious was telling me, don't speak. When you speak, don't move anything. Don't move your jaw. Don't move your lips. Don't move your tongue. Just don't do anything. And um, that felt safe to me. That felt like I wasn't going to be hurt because the real me, that wasn't coming out. It was a deeper voice. I was barely enunciating or talking well. And if they had an issue with that, that's okay. It's not really me. It's this other person that I am. Yeah. Yeah. You, and that, so the driver on that. So this is so psychology of the voice, right? That drivers on that were, I love what you just said, were, hey, it's not safe to talk. Don't say anything. It was almost like you you had to speak because obviously you had to speak because you're talking to patients, you're talking to this, you're talking to that. But if you, the more you could keep it in your mouth, the more you might just become invisible. Yeah, that's, um, that's what it was. And I remember you asked me early on, you know, if you could say nothing, would you be happy? And I said, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I said I could be happy not speaking ever again. And that was really sad. It was really sad. And, and, and this is, again, why I wanted you on the show. And I told you this over and over and over, probably till you got sick of hearing it. But there's so many people that can relate to your story. We look around the world and we think, oh, my gosh, everybody, nobody has a problem with this. Nobody struggles like this. Oh, no. There are so many people that it's just a safer choice to not say anything. Yeah, that's that was one of the frustrating things with uh, just doing any of the vocal work was that I thought I couldn't improve, that it, it wouldn't get better. Mm. Uh, because, you know, you have people who can do this effortlessly without any thought behind it. And here I am putting all of this thought behind it and I can't get it. And it really was about changing my mindset that really opened it up for me. Because, you know, when normal people talk, uh, normal being without any voice issues, they don't focus on talking clearly. They don't focus on articulating. They don't do that. At least I don't think they do. Um, they just, it just naturally happens. So I had to get to that point where it was natural for me, where I didn't have to spend so much energy trying to articulate. Yeah. I remember that in the beginning, it was a lot of, it was exhausting to do this work, I think, you know, and I, this work is always exhausting for introverts, especially, and that's not a criticism. It's just an observation, but I love 
what you just said again about we there's this perception that everybody else is just doing it effortlessly. And you're right. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really think about it. It's just flows and it just happens. Mm-hmm. But but that's also a trick of the subconscious too to to aid and abet you not saying anything, you not getting hurt, you being invisible is well, I mean everybody else can do it really great and that's a that's a comment that I've heard from people that they have come here and nobody struggles with this. No, a lot of people struggle with this. And that's why I wanted to come on the show was really to share my story and my struggles because you guys are not alone. You know, there's lots of people out there. And if you're listening to this show, you, and there's a good chance that you may have an issue happening. And you know what? There's hope. You, you can get better. It's not, you're not going to just stay in this zone where it's going to be the same for years on end. Yeah. But you took action. You know, you may have been scared. Kind of have that effect on people. No, I don't. I do not. I do not. But it may have been scary to to look at a fear like this. And and we, you know, maybe I don't have trouble using my voice, but I'll assure you, I would find other things that you do effortlessly very challenging. Like nobody would want me for their dentist. Let me just tell you, I'm not skilled that way. You know. Yeah. No, I understand. Um. Yeah, it was a lot of effort and a lot of, in the beginning, it was, yeah, it was scary. It was, to be honest with you. And me sending you that first video, I remember I, when I said it in the video, I retook the video 10 times mm-hmm. because I didn't like the way I spoke. And instead of just saying the first one, being like, listen, let's see what she says. My mind was saying to myself, you can do better. Let's try to do better. Yeah. And it was scary because I, I was doing a little bit better, but looking back, I, there was so much improvement that could be made. Um, it's really scary to take that first step and say to yourself, okay, you have an issue. You're doing this video 10 times. There's an issue here. Take that step and send it in. Cause I remember I was getting to the point where I, I didn't want to send you anything. I was like, okay, that's, I'm not ready to do this. Cause Obviously, I have some major issues. I need to work on these first before I can work with Tracy. That's the way it felt like to me in the beginning. Yeah. Again, a trick of the subconscious. Did it enter your mind? Were you, was there any fear that I would come back and say, well, this is horrible. I can't work with this. This is terrible. Did, because I've, and the only reason I ask is I've heard that fear from people that that's what they're going to hear back from me or whoever they work with. No, I've listened to your show long enough to know your personality. Oh, okay. I knew that you wouldn't do that. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I just it was just about getting over that barrier, that that hump, that initial hump. Yeah. Just take that step and send it in. And my my body, my brain was telling me not to do it. It was I remember it was the summer, and mm-hmm. you know, I was I was thinking, let's wait a little bit. You have stuff going on. You want to go to the beach, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait until the end of summer and then you can do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've heard that. Oh my gosh, I've heard that from so many people. I'm mm-hmm. going to do that when I'm going to, you know what, I want to work with you, but I'm going to do this first. You know what, I'm going to work with you, but I'm going to wait until the fall. And and these, you know, this is sometimes people that have been around three, four, five, six years when yeah. I get X done. But that's one of the things I love so much about you is you you saw it as clear as it was, you owned it and you knew you knew you could go to the next level if you changed it. Yeah, it was more about accepting that I had an issue and I needed yeah. to change it. Yeah. And the first step is accepting it and not being angry about it anymore. Because I was angry with myself that I had all these issues talking and having to repeat myself and not being confident. And I, and I just built up in me like something was wrong with me and it wasn't so much that something was holding me back it's something wrong inside me that's what it felt like wow and I think my biggest worry was that we would get to work and I wouldn't be able to see any big changes that was my biggest fear was that we would work and I would do the exercise and even with all that I, I couldn't change well that didn't happen 
No. <laughs> <laughs> that was an irrational fear. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember the very day, it was one of the first sessions that we worked together. It was the mm-hmm. first or second. It wasn't the first. It was maybe the second. Yeah. And I and I brought up the what I perceived to be was not your real voice. And we went to work on that. And if you flipped it in like a week, I mean, it was really fast how fast you changed it. And I'm curious, did that alone give you some inner freedom? Yeah, that was the biggest step. Um, Changing that aspect really freed me. And I remember when we first did it, when I went to this voice for my lower voice, I, I wanted to go back to the lower voice so quickly. And I kept fighting it. And I was telling it during the whole yeah. stuff. I'm just, I just want to go lower. I want to be lower. And it really was, it took about a week or so before I got comfortable being up here and being okay with being in my voice. You know, I don't have to be like this deep baritone voice to, to feel good about myself. That doesn't need to happen. And right. while my voice is my voice, I really can't change it, but I can improve on it. But Changing it where it's lower, that's really stretching it. You know, it's really tough to do that. And me doing that was really, I don't know, it really took a toll on me. It made me feel less like myself, like I was being someone else. Like I didn't want to be me. Yeah. Like I felt like, okay, I could be this person. But doing that, and whenever you do that, it's, it makes you feel so hollow and you have such low self-esteem to go there in the first place because you're thinking you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's exhausting too. Oh, very exhausting. Yeah. Because you, um, I remember at work, it would be like, I, I just need to get back to that professional low voice to talk to people and you do that all day. And by the end, you're just done. All you want to do is go home and sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is such a powerful conversation because it, one of the first things that I noticed when we flipped that was there's there, there were more issues for me in that voice than in your real voice, because in your real voice, now I could know who you were, where in the, in the alternate voice, which I know many of you can relate to this, you've done the same thing. I couldn't connect with you like I could with you when I knew who you really were, which is what I heard in your real voice. So it shifted things very quickly. And that's the way I feel whenever I, you know, if I go to a bank and I speak to a teller and they're being very professional with me, there's no connection. Right. People. Yeah. Um, there's like that barrier. It's, it's like that screen that's in front of them. That's the barrier that they have yeah. in their voice. The bulletproof glass. Exactly. That's the barrier that I put in front of me was this bulletproof glass that any criticism was not against me. It was against this other person I was being. Oh, wow. That is really powerful. And that's what voice masks do. And there's so many elements to that voice mask. You know, let me repel you before you repel me. Let me, I love what you just said. You know, oh, well, if you criticize me, it's, you're not criticizing me. You're criticizing this guy with this voice. Exactly. That is so common. Yeah. It is so common. It's not against me. It was against my alter ego almost. Yeah. 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 Such a great observation, but so much more freedom now even though there were still, we had work to do and you put in a lot of work. And I think sometimes we're probably cussing me when I wasn't there because no. of all the homework I gave you, but, but more freedom now, right? So much more yeah. ease and comfort and uh, talking to people now, right? Well, I noticed and just from the beginning that I, I didn't have that fried, crackly quality to my voice anymore. Well, that took a couple of weeks for that to go away, but it was going away. I wasn't as nasally. And also I had more emotion. So all those things came to life because I decided not to hold back and go lower. Because when you go lower, you're holding your Adam's apple down, but also you're holding your voice back. You're holding your breath back. And that leads to so many issues. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Any, any kind of, any alter, anything that you do that alters like that creates so many problems. I had actually forgotten about the nasality. It's been gone so long. I had totally forgotten about that until you mentioned that. But that was one of the big issues up front, wasn't it? 
that was the main reason why I came to you was the nasality that I always had and I didn't know how to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. So that went away quickly. And then we really got to meet and of the whole situation of why this was happening, which is really important to me because if I don't correct what's happening inside me, it's just going to come back. You know, the next time someone criticizes me or the next time I'm, I'm anxious, why wouldn't I go back to the other voice, the other alter ego who, if he gets criticized, it's okay. It's him. It's not me. Oh my gosh. I, you would have thought I paid him to said that because that's like the commercial <laughs> for psychology of the voice right there. And that's such a great, that's it right there. We can eradicate the bad habit all day long, but until you start looking at those drivers, you're going to go, you nailed it. I mean, you're going to go right back as soon as somebody says, Hey, you know, I don't know. Nobody wants to hear that. Boom. There you go. Back to a different voice. So we spent a good amount of time working with drivers, not a 27 years or anything, but you saw the value in that. I did. And I, um, I told you as well before is that I took vocal lessons with the, uh, or voice lessons with vocal coaches two of them in the past three or four years. The first one that I took, um, she was more of a musical teacher, but she said that she does vocal work, you know, mm. for businesses, things like that. And she was about 45 minutes away from me. So I went to see her. She's really the only person in this area that was doing it. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And she, we did diaphragm breath work where I would, hold my breath in, let it out slowly. I got up to 60 seconds. I thought that was awesome. Like a whole minute of just breathing out your breath. Pretty cool. And um, we were doing like these nursery rhymes and reading paragraphs that were really like about articulation and enunciation. I remember, I still remember this one nursery rhyme. Uh, Baba, black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. I can do that all day long. And the thing is, yeah, it's fine if you do that in that session. And it's fine if you work on your diaphragm and your breath work. But what happens when you go back to the real world? Because I was going back and I wasn't putting in any of the things that I worked on. I would try to, but the moment that I tried, um, I just felt so unnatural. Uh, I felt so exposed as being real that I didn't like it. And I went back to where I was before. And that happened with two coaches. Um, the first one didn't work out. And then last year, same thing. I, I actually went all the way up to New York from New Jersey. I would take the train in for 70 minutes every Friday. And we would work on my voice. And I did maybe like three or four sessions. And he would have me go, you know how singers sing from like low to high? Mm, like, uh, slide, yeah. The slide. He, I could do that really well. I'm not going to do it now because I don't think I can anymore. <laughs> um, I could do that really well. And he would have me go through these scenarios where I describe a situation using a lot of emotion, like being happy or scared or angry. And I could do those perfectly. But then when I got to the real world, I just didn't want to. I wanted to not be that open, that exposed. So I would go back to where I was, the shell that I used to be in. And yeah, that's the thing about exercises like that. There's so many that you, you can look up right now and you can find books on that. And it's great, but if you don't feel comfortable in your own voice, it doesn't matter how much you work at home because I'll do so many of these exercises. And yeah, it's great when you're there, but when you go home or when you're at work or with friends, you don't want to go there. Yeah. I remember when you told me about the one in New York and yeah, you know, of course I'm not, I don't mean to criticize on any level, but I remember you saying, you know, I thought here we are in New York, this has got to be good. This has got to be somebody good. And I think that, you know, methodology, I do believe is great, but I don't believe methodology can stand on its own without eradicating those drivers. And that's what I hear you saying that when you went back home, yeah, you had a great technique, but you mm -hmm. had a driver in your head going, no, nope. Yeah. It was really my mindset. And my mindset was I had such limited self-worth about myself that I 
you know, looking back, I just, I felt so, I had such low self-esteem. That's what it was. And because of that, that really permeated to my voice. It would be like the way that I walked, you know, like I walked with like my head forward a little bit and head to the ground. I would do that all the time. And it was just really trying to disappear almost like I don't want to be too noticed, you know, so you're not going to my voice you're not going to notice the way I walk that's where I wanted to go yeah and you and you're not alone there are so many people that feel that way that feel that way on on so many levels and I self self-esteem and self-worth is a hundred percent linked to voice because the voice is the utmost place of judgment so you're not feeling good about yourself. Why are you going to want to put your words out there and get more judgment and more criticism? And that's a, and it's it's a perception. You know now that all of it's a perception. But I'm sure when you are in that space, it feels even more vulnerable and even more exposed to use your voice. Yeah, when you're feeling bad about yourself, um, there's so many things that go wrong first of all like you have no energy to do anything like you don't want to go to the gym you don't want to eat healthy like it permeates your whole life and that's what was happening to me um and you really you're just sleepy all the time that's what i felt i had no energy there was so many things that were happening and it really just took a toll on me with my voice too because that's the last thing i wanted to work on was my voice when i had so many other issues happening like not being healthy, not sleeping enough, really. Um, all these other things happening in my life that were detracting away. And the last thing I wanted to do was fix my voice. That's what it was. Yeah. Because if you fixed your voice, then you might not, it might not be as easy to be invisible anymore. All of a sudden now you don't have to, you know, maybe it's not playing small anymore. Now you've got a voice that would make people listen. And that's probably terrifying. Or, or was then, not now. It was then, yeah. Because then. Then, then when they judged me, it was, you're judging me. You're not judging this other person, this other ego that I created. It's, it's actually me. Yeah. So there were all kinds of subtle ways that those drivers and how you were using your voice were sabotaging. Not mm-hmm. only, maybe not your success per se, but certainly your inner freedom. Yeah, I was really, the big thing that we found out towards the end of us working together was I was really afraid of judgment from others. That was my thing was, that's the biggest reason why I had to be on time when I saw a patient was, if you're late, they don't like, they hate you. They think that you're a terrible dentist, that their time is valuable and you're supposed to be there right that second. Otherwise, they're going to feel so badly about you and be so angry towards you. And it really took a lot to get to the point where I had to say to myself over and over again, they are okay waiting. And the thing that triggered this situation was in the beginning, you know, um, I wasn't like this. <laughs> uh, in the beginning, I had a patient who, she came in on the wrong day. So it was her fault that she came in on this day, but she insisted on being seen. And my front desk said, okay, the doctor can see you, but it's going to be a little bit of a wait. So I went, I got her numb. I finished with my other patient and I came back and she was all in a huff and a puff. And she's like, my time is valuable. And when I come here, I expect to be seen. And how dare you make me wait for 30 minutes it was really like 15 minutes I made her wait, but she's like all in a half and a puff. And I think she had some other issues happening in her life that she was so angry towards me. I don't think it was just me. Um, but also at the time I didn't tell her like, listen, you came in on the wrong day. What do you expect from me? I just kind of became meek and I said, okay, let's do it. And I got it done. I apologized like maybe 10 times to her and she probably felt great because she made me feel so small, but I felt so small after that. I'm like, I don't want to feel like this ever again. So the next time that they come in and they're waiting, my anxiety has to be through the roof because you have to know you cannot make them wait. You cannot be late. You cannot make them angry. And I think this applies to a lot of people because a lot of people are afraid of judgment from others, whether it's their friends, whether it's their family, 
their coworkers, and they're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to um, show their emotion, to really say what they're feeling. And that really takes a toll on you because your anxiety is through the roof. And what happens is that in that moment, you start to ruminate on those moments where what you wanted to say, you didn't say. And then for the next three or four hours, at least for me, it was, I would just think about what I wanted to say to that person in that moment. Like, oh my God, if I had him back in that chair, right? and I would just keep doing it over and over and over again. And it was very exhausting because you're living in the past. Like you have things going on in front of you, you're working on a patient or you're having dinner and your mind is somewhere else. It's thinking about, well, what should I have said to this person? If they said this, I'm going to say that. And I'm really going to let them have it. And they're going to say this and I'm going to say that. And I would have those conversations so often. It got to the point where even meeting new people, like I would have new patients in the chair, I would have conversations in my head about my interaction with them and what I would say to them in case they got angry with me. Like they weren't angry yet with me, but my mind went there like, okay, they're going to be angry. So this is what I'm going to say to them. And I would... It would just like create the wrong mindset. Like you're living in the future. They can be, people are going to be angry at you. You're in the past thinking about this one angry person that happened years ago and you're not in the present. You're all these other places, but right where you need to be. Yeah. And I, you know, I was writing down a list as you were telling that story of all the things you said that I work with people on, on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and that are so common, like judgment. Okay, 98% of people on earth are worried about judgment. That and yeah. and some of them that say they're not that some of them are lying. There are some people that I mean you can definitely work towards not worrying about judgment. That that's some of the work that we do, but those conversations in your head, I was just working with somebody on that yesterday, a, a young man and he was like, "Yeah, I'm playing this whole conversation. And this is what I'm going to say the next time he comes by my desk and then I'm going to do yeah. this." And you know, you are not alone. I mean, every single thing that you're saying is so relatable. Being off in the future, the conversations mm-hmm. in your head, the judgment, the wearing yourself out. And I just can't not mention, look at the power of one phrase, one woman through one fit and look at the power of the voice. Yeah, my subconscious went there. It said, yep. I don't want to feel this ever again. And we're not going to feel this again because we're going to protect ourselves. And we're yep. going to have conversations in the past and really say what we want to say, but we're not going to say it in the present. Or yep. we're going to think about the future and really protect ourselves. What we talked about was bracing for that moment. Yeah. Bracing for something bad to happen. And I would brace, I'll be in brace mode all the time especially meeting new people, that something bad would happen, that they would be angry with me, that they would be judgmental towards me. And I would wait for it. And when it didn't happen, my brain wouldn't say, okay, well, that's great. Let's stop doing that. My brain would say, that's a one-time thing, buddy. It's, it's going to happen. The next one, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Get back to that brace mode. Yeah. So it was really exhausting. I would say really exhausting. And the big thing about judgments and the thing that we learned and that I, we talked about was judgment is not real. It's really their perception. It's not reality. What you're talking about. Um, I'm sorry for all the noise, the, the apartment. Oh, I don't even hear it. On top of me, yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of noise in the background, but um, yeah, judgment. It's really about what they think, but what they think, why does that matter? Because it's their thoughts And if they think you're a bad person or they're really angry towards you because you did this or that, okay, well, that's their perception. Did you do your best? Yes. Um, Is there a reason for them to be angry? Maybe. But is there a reason for them to be angry so much that you have to beat yourself down and make yourself feel small and like you're not worthy? Is that enough of a reason for them that because they're angry at you, that you have to feel like you shouldn't belong? Is that, is that what should happen? That's where the light bulb switched for me, was thinking that what they think of me 
does not matter in my life. And it's really life-changing when you get there, when you think what your opinion is on me, whether it's you're happy with me or you're sad or angry towards me, whatever that is, that's on you. That's what's happening inside of you. And unfortunately for me, I took on the opinions of a lot of people and some of them looking back, they may have actually been crazy. So you meet people that are actually something is wrong with them inside and they have an opinion and you think that's gospel and it's not. And that's going to drive you crazy when you think that way, that their opinion of someone who barely knows you is gospel. It's the truth. And this person is what you are. That is powerful right there. And as you were telling that story, it made me think of, I don't know if I ever told you this story. I know I've told the listeners, mm-hmm. but when I was in undergraduate school, I, Dr. Swain, costume history, mm-hmm. I, he asked me a question. We had had a homework assignment to read something or another. And he asked me the first question Thursday morning, he asked me a question about something and I couldn't answer it. And he flipped out, mm-hmm. he assigned a research paper to the whole class over spring break. Mm -hmm. So Trace was real unpopular now. Mm -hmm. And because of that one event, I did not go to graduate school for eight years because I was terrified of being called out like that. When in retrospect, if I had really put it together that it wasn't coffee in that cup, Mm. it was something else, then maybe I could have looked at it differently and I wouldn't have taken it on like the lady who flipped out on you because she made a mistake and it was your fault. Yes, she made a mistake. She didn't want to take on that she made a mistake and she she wanted to take it out on me. I don't know if on purpose, but it happened. And I really took that on. And that stayed with me for years. You know, I had so many memories of the past, but that is such a memory that, I can bring it up instantly if I need to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's psychology of the voice stories. I mean, they are embedded deep. And that is why I believe that. And again, I don't mean to criticize. Everybody works differently and everybody resonates with somebody differently. But that is why my research and and what I believe is that the, the typical voice work isn't going to stick unless we look at what was behind it causing it. Because that's not going to go away unless we eradicate it and rewrite it. Yeah, I know how to speak. I always know how to speak. You know, your brain and your tongue and your lips, they work without you needing to do anything behind it. But if you're holding that in where you don't want to speak, that is huge. And it doesn't matter if you work with a voice coach like I did and they teach you how to say things properly it doesn't matter because you can say things properly in that setting where you're safe and comfortable. But when you get to the real world where there's judgment and fear and anxiety, that's going to go all away. You're not going to use your voice at that point. You're not going to want to speak. And until you tackle that, it really doesn't matter how much you work on it. And I think I could have worked on my voice for six months, two hours a day. And if I didn't tackle the way I felt inside, I don't think I would have seen much of a change. Yeah, that's, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's interesting to hear you say that though, but I definitely agree. So what do you think the biggest gain was? Could you, could you, I know you said earlier that, that getting out of that alternate voice was massive. Would you say that's the biggest thing that you gained? The biggest thing that I gained was I became less stressed. I still get stressed in some moments. So if I'm super busy, uh, that anxiety does come back. But I'm able to work through that anxiety now where I have the tools to... The thing that I do right now is I take a deep breath. I center myself. I feel my hand going into an OK symbol so that I get back to the present. I'm thinking about my hand and this feeling that I have my fingertips touching. And I say to myself, whatever I need to say to myself, I say, if I'm having a conversation in the past, is this useful? 
Mm. A lot of times it's not, you know, there's no need to rehash and say whatever you want to say after the conversation happened. It's in the past. It happened. You can't change it. Let it go. Um, Let it go. Exactly. Or if I'm really anxious about having people wait or them being mad at me, I say to myself, maybe they're okay waiting uh, or maybe they won't be mad at me. And even if it happens where they are mad at me, I don't take that on again, where I think about that one moment for the rest of my life where it's like, okay, now that person's mad at me. So every person is going to be mad at me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Not black and white. It's not black and white. And I know all the listeners are probably sitting out there thinking, man, I wish my dentist was this worried about keeping me waiting. I know. I'm (laughs) such a good dentist because I rarely keep people waiting and I really work towards that. And when I do, I feel so bad about it. (laughs) People that I work with, and there's this one lady and she has patients waiting for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, doesn't even go in and say hi. And she's fine with it. (laughs) I really have to speak to her and ask her, why are you fine with making people wait? What is going on inside you? What is happening? Right. Oh my gosh. Literally. Yeah. Her personality, she just takes on stress, doesn't bother her. They're waiting. So what? Keep them waiting. (laughs) Yeah. I know. How many times did I say, I just know when I go to the dentist or the doctor or really anywhere anymore, almost, you know, that they're going to be fine schedule because people are packing people in and, you know, you have to overbook because people don't come, you know, and just all these things. So for me, it's just a given. But at the end of the day, what I love that you got out of that and learned so much is it's not about you. It's not about you if they're flipping out because you're late because they were late or they came on the wrong day. You don't take that on anymore. I don't. And it's really not about me. And yeah, they can be legitimately mad at me for a reason. And maybe they have a really good reason behind it, but I can't put myself down any further because they're mad at me. So what if they're mad at me? You know, they'll go to the grocery store and they'll be in line getting mad at the cashier that he's taking so long to scan these items. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. A lot of people, they're, they're just angry. They're just mad at the world. And anytime that they're inconvenienced, they take that out. And I can't take that on just because I made them wait a couple of minutes. And I, I never make them wait a half an hour or 45 minutes. That's never me. <laughs> it's never like I'm there like three hours. They're waiting because at that point, I'd be like, okay, you have a reason to be mad. Right. Oh, minutes, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember my mom, she would always, when she was alive, she would call me and she'd have a doctor appointment or whatever. And I'd say, how'd the doctor's appointment go? I don't know. I got up and left. I had waited an hour and 15 minutes and I got up and left, you know, but it, but it, that's, that's what I'm saying is that's, that's so common. So I know all the listeners are thinking, man, hope he, she puts his link in the bio because I want to go to his dentist shop. And that's why, and that's why you were dentist of the year. Let me just say, you got that award. this year. Yeah. So, um, in our offices, we have like six or seven offices and we nominate uh, or the employees nominate the dentist of the year. And I got that award, which is super huge. And a lot of it, I think, was that this year, especially in the last eight months, I really worked on changing myself and being more comfortable and being under pressure, being more happy at work. Like, I feel like I'm less of the stressed out guy who's like, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. I would always be waiting for something to happen. Or if I get into that stress mode, I really get into it and it really overtakes my life. Um, Yeah, it got to be really bad. I would get stressed out in traffic. You know, like I can't change traffic. Why am I getting stressed out in traffic? I remember I I sent you an email, I think it was last month. And I, I went to take a look at a practice and I was late. I was 10 minutes oh, late. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the person, she text, she called me at 8.05. I was supposed to be there at 8. She called me at 8.05. Where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit late. I, I got lost. I didn't get lost. I was just late. I said I got lost. And But I remember thinking it was 7.50 and I was driving and I wanted to go faster. Like I'm thinking, okay, just speed and you'll get there faster. But then I thought about it like, okay, is it worth getting a ticket over being a couple of minutes late? Um, is it worth 
maybe getting to a car crash over this? Like, mm. should I really be going faster at this moment? And I told myself, just don't worry about it. I didn't even call her because I had her number, but I was like, you know what? She'll call you if she's worried. And she did. Mm -hmm. um, and she was a little bit pissed when I got there, but it's okay. You know what? It's 10 minutes, lady. It's not that big of a deal. And, um, and she made the appointment really late too. Like I wanted to go in earlier anyway, so that's on her. <laughs> well, I love that. You know, and, and just look at how you toss in it away. Like, yeah, she was mad, but you know what? It is, it is what it is. Yeah. And I would like to take yeah, that little. Thank for being 10 minutes late because I got caught up in traffic. Right. And by the way, I drove two hours to see the practice. Yeah. And I told her that she, she let go of like her anger towards me because I told her where I live and she's like, wow, that's really far away. I'm like, yeah, I drove all the way from there. And after that, she kind of let it go. But yeah, am I, am I a bad person for being 10 minutes late? And that's what I had to ask myself. And in yeah. that moment, because that's where I was going. I was getting anxious and I was going towards, you got to speed up. You got to get there really fast. You got to call and apologize profusely. I didn't do any of that. And I felt great about it. Yeah. I remember that email. I yeah. loved that email. And that's what one of my mentors, you know, I have a lot, I invest a lot of money in coaches. I always have coaches. And one of them recently was talking about was teaching. Suffering is not accepting what is. And, and I really don't want to suffer. I really don't. And I, maybe some people do, but that's a big part of it. And that's what I heard in that story is you just accepted it. Not that you purposely ran late, but you were running late. It's not going to serve you to drive 90 down the highway. I no. would like to take that little snippet and broadcast it over Los Angeles right. for about a month, right? Because these people, they drive, they're going 100, you know, driving down the road. I'm like, it's not going to serve you when your car's flipped over down the road in two miles. Stop. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. This one story, uh, it was years ago, but this guy was just riding my back. And we were going on the turnpike, so we're merging. And, you know, there's not much where I can go. It's one lane to merge. Yeah. And it goes slow because it's a roundabout. So I'm going like maybe 35, 40, and he's like behind me. And I could mm. see he's animated. <laughs> I, we get off. I go to speed. He blows past me. He probably is shouting towards me. I didn't even look at him. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I see him getting pulled over by a cop. I'm like, yes, karma. It worked. Right, right. <laughs> and all because right. he wants to get there early. Well, you know yeah. what? I'm not to get. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, this has just been great. And I know that I've kept you as long as I can keep you. But is, yeah. there, is there any last thought that you mm -hmm. would like to share with the audience? Anything about the work you did, the work you hope they'll do? Any, any last thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? So I would say really think about looking into changing your mindset. So maybe get a book that, the, that discusses that. So there's uh, Worthy by Nancy Levin. Uh, Love yourself like your life depends on it. I haven't started reading that one yet, but someone told me that's a great book. It's a great book. <laughs> um, that really helps change your mindset. Start there. Don't worry about your voice that it's not where it should be. Uh, start with your mindset. Think about talking to someone that knows what they're doing in terms of not just going and getting an exercise. Like, you know, if I could go and say nursery rhymes all day long and I would change me, I would do that in a heartbeat, but that doesn't change you. It's really focused on changing the inside first, and that's going to change your outside. Yeah. Um, don't take on people's judgments too much, even if it's something that you really care about or that you really think highly of. Maybe they're having a bad day. You know what? Don't, mm -hmm. don't take it on. Don't brace for something bad to happen. And don't think over things that happened in your life where it didn't go as planned. You know what? The past is the past. The future is out there for the taking. And it could be really beautiful if you let it happen. But if you stay in the past, you're not going to change. You're not going to grow. In the past, what's, what good is it? You know, you're having these conversations and maybe it makes you feel better to really let them know what you wanted to say. But then you keep having it because it really doesn't make you feel better. It actually makes you feel worse. 
yeah. makes it feel more hollow. Yeah. So that is my my recommendation to you guys. It's really just get out of your head, get the depressant, and the biggest thing, when you're anxious, taking a deep breath, say I am worthy just because I am. <laughs> Um, make your hand to an okay symbol and feel that, feel present, and just get that thought out of your, out of your mind. It's not useful thinking about the past. You know, um, maybe they're not mad at me. Say whatever you need to say to get yourself out of it. It's not going to happen instantly. You're always going to have to keep doing it. I always do this every day. It's not like I'm in the same place where I'm a uh, Zen master and I know mindfulness. I'm not. Uh, it's a, every day is a progress, mm-hmm. but you know what? I'm a lot better than where I used to be. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm about to cut you loose to teach my next group. <laughs> listening to you sitting here. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the payroll. <laughs> yeah. As long as I don't have to do dentistry, I'm good. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's just been great to have you here. I'm so glad you were willing to come on the show. Well, thank you, Tracy, for all your help, because you really opened up my eyes to where I should be and where I could be. Mm -hmm. And without your help, I don't know if I would have been in this place in my life where I feel calm and at peace with where things are. Because before that, I was just all over the place. So I really think you have changed my life tremendously. If you guys want to speak to Tracy privately, you can email her. Don't be afraid to send her an email because she won't rip you open if you send her. <laughs> no, no. And, and it was a good, t- we were a good team. And, but you, you did the work. You did, did the work. You were willing to do the work. Oh, yeah. And, and, that's, and when you do that and you got the right techniques, the sky's the limit. So, Hallelujah. yeah, I know. It was just a sad day when we wrapped up. I mean, it's like. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part is when it's I turn this stuff fast and then it's over, but you did great. Yeah. It's, it is bad when it ends and you feel like you want to keep going. And for me, I did keep going for a while because I, I wanted to really change. Uh, but once you get to the end, you get to a place where you are okay. Just going out on your own and doing this. You are not scared of yeah. what life is, you know, life yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. This has been great. And thank you, listeners. As always, I appreciate you being here. And But that's it for today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.